Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Forever Bristol City podcast. Well, whereas Wednesday's draw against Wigan, it felt like a defeat. The point gained at the stadium like this afternoon where it finished, England won, City won. It feels like a win, and even more so feels like a win because after 469 days, City got a penalty. Gavin Ward, we love you. You maybe should have given us one in the first half, but... No doubt about it. Jada Silva bought down and it was a penalty. But there we go. I'm pleased to say joining me this evening are Mark and Ian and the professional input from uh, Chris Honour. Evening, chaps. We've got to be in a happy frame of mind on every level, haven't we? Yeah? On every level. Every level. Here, here. <laughs> Evening, David. Yeah, absolutely delighted. All right, Chris, I'll start with you first. Let's have a quick sort of 30-second uh, sort of perception of the game. What did you think? You know, it was one of those that going into it, it was going to be tough, yeah, but good performance, yeah? Well, they're going really well, aren't they? And they're right up there. They're an exciting team. I thought Roberts and Clark were brilliant second half, but um, I think we matched them throughout the whole game. I thought we were excellent. And um, I know I just spoke to you just off air about 10 minutes before this started. I'm just beginning to get slightly excited and I'm trying to control it. I just think we're, we're just a, a team that's unrecognisable from two months ago. And um, I've probably enjoyed watching it. And um, I'm so glad Gary Hours went all the way up rather than me because I had a nice comfy <laughs> seat in my front room on watch deck. Sorry. So, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good. Okay, Ian, uh, I, I know we were talking before recording and uh, you felt equally positive and I was trying to rein you in in terms of uh, expectations of uh, the balance of the season. But uh, as Chris has done, your, your uh, brief thoughts on the game as a whole. Well, the draw today takes us to third in the championship form table. Only Burnley and Middlesbrough have picked up more points than us. We've... Uh, Played six, won three, drew three, scored 10, conceded six. So we've got a goal difference of four and 12 points. So, for example, we're above Sheffield United, Sunderland, Luton, Millwall, West Brom, Norwich, etc., etc. The game today, I thought a little bit more composure in the final third. Um, and and we, we could and should have won it. Uh, Patterson made a brilliant save from Mimetti in the first half. Uh, and once again, Mimetti looked a right handful. And it, when people say, well, you know, you might have to leave him out. and No, play him for the first 60 minutes, get two or three up, and, and then anybody can go and play left wing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, love, I love that positivity. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. But how dangerous is he? Get, he's one of those players that you can, he's going to get everyone on the edge of their seats, isn't he? And he's one of those, Chris, that, I mean, you were a, you were a right back. Uh, you imagine coming up against him, he can go either way, he's quick, and I, I think he's got a bit of dander about him. You leave his foot in and all the rest of it, a bit like Scotty. Mm. Yeah, he's one of those ones that you start having nightmares on the Thursday night, two days before the game. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's uh, what's uh, what's your thoughts uh, on the game? I mean, we had two of the other so-called traditional managers up against each other, Tony Mowbray and Nigel, his 100th game in charge. Both guys... Uh, reach uh, the right old age of 60 later this year but um it was a it was a battle and it wasn't a bad game to watch i mean we had the first half they had the second although we got the goal that's how i saw it yeah yeah i mean city had to show all their mental and physical strength uh today david i mean city city deserved to be in front in the first half but once we went behind the changes that Sunderland made, they looked very comfortable playing through midfield. They had a couple of great shots, one brilliant save from Max, but we hung in there and City's resilience is miles away from where they were, uh, you know, uh, from, from the West before, you know, in the West Brom game. And we can actually grind out results and never give up. I mean, and the penalty came from the most unlikely source. But I think yeah. today's hero really was, was Cam Pring. His back heel... Uh, opened it up for De Silva. And when we were 1-0 down, he made a great tackle on Diallo, who, who dribbled through about three players. But he stood up to him and got off an excellent blocking, allowed Max to pick the ball up. Yeah. Uh, you know, re re a really uh, a really great result. And I think if you look at Sunderland, they that's where we want to be. Very, very, you know, they, they we play in the same way, probably counter-attacking size. Lots of players were identical haircuts. Chris would probably have noticed that. He used to be a bit, a bit of a fashionista. And, 
<laughs> and uh, you know, we played we play similar type football. They just had a little bit more quality over. Uh, I think uh, you know, in midfield and with the front, and a real star in Jack Clark. But um, Anis Mimetti, he's going to be some player, a little bit guilty of overplaying the second half, but he always wants to take on his man. And that's yeah. great. Absolutely fearless. Ran out of air, uh, steam a little bit at the end. And sad to see Rob Atkinson go off because well, he, he's we'll talk about Well, we'll talk about that. And interesting what you say about Mimetti, Mark, because I thought that, I mean, he looks a threat. I think it's a oh, club yeah. legend. A club legend in the making. I wouldn't like to be living half... next door to Anis. Anis. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, I thought he, I thought he, I thought he overegged it a little bit, to be honest. In the second half, yeah, he and, did. Probably uh, guilty of too, too many two touches. Or three, two or three yeah. things. Chris, when the side was named, he rotated the front three, and then we started this with a front three of Sykes, Bell, and Mametti, which meant, if you like, recognised strikers uh, Harry Cornick, Vyman, and Wells were all on the bench. What did you think when you saw that uh, strike three up there? Those three in particular. I thought it was a brave decision. I, I quite like the idea of playing Mametti and I and I think Sykes at the, at the moment is on form. He's scoring goals, but also I think his relationship with George Tanner is really good. I think um, Feynman out there on uh, Wednesday night was uh, probably the most disappointing um, aspect of the, the the three changes he made. Um, for me, Sykes is 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 just a steady, good, quality player who. Uh, seems to be getting more and more confident, and with Mehti on the other side, I think as a combination, it, it's like it's a little bit like Sunderland, as you just said. You've got Roberts on one side, you've got Clark on the other. They're both dangerous. They both can go at a man. They can play it simple. They can get other players to join in. Um, some of the little patterns um, are, are fantastic for both teams. I, I, I thought it was a fairly enjoyable game, you know. And I, as I said, I, I expected. A little bit of a, a tougher game up in Sunderland because um, of the way they're going. And, you know, looking back at our recent history away from home, um, well, past history away from home, we seem to struggle at those kind of places, but we stood strong. Um, we matched them toe to toe. The only real surprise, as you said, going back to the front three was Bell in front of Naki Wells. But mm. um, obviously, Nigel thinks he, he deserves his place on, on merit. Um, he didn't let us down. He did plenty of running, chasing down, made himself a nuisance. Didn't get many touches, did he? Uh, or, or have any opportunities that I no. can remember. But um, he made himself a nuisance. I thought some of the balls towards the end of the first half were a little bit aimlessly pumped forward to him. Mm. And the centre-halves won the ball quite easily. Um, yeah. But apart from that, I thought he did he did excellent. Anything that could be expected. And when he, he made the change with 20 minutes to go, I thought, uh, Cornick and Wells work quite well together. You know, I know Cornick got criticised a little bit on Wednesday because he looked um, a little bit sluggish and a little bit off the pace. But I thought he did okay to, um, yeah. for the last He did do minutes. a bit of a loose cross very, very late on when oh, yeah, I, went, I just wrote on my yeah. notes good, FFS yeah, good after point. that. that was we all, yeah, we it, was, it, was an, it was an Andy Wyman school, uh, school <laughs> crossing, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. No, no, it didn't, have the, of it didn't <laughs> have the pace of Wyman. Ian, Ian. All the arms in the air. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't get a chance. Ian, um, the, the midfield there was no rotation in midweek, and I was concerned. We talked about this on uh, on, on Thursday um, that maybe Williams and James would tire a little bit. But the midfield, um, how do you think they did? I mean, I put on Twitter: Is Scott playing? Because I thought he had a very quiet game. And if you look at youngsters coming through, Clark for them, they had the impudence of scoring. That goal, but um, Chris has sounded a bit hoarse, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> Ian. But, but the midfield today, what did you think? What did you think of that? Well, I thought there's probably as well as I've seen James and Williams play together. Mm. Um, they're not going to give you a, a lot in the final third, and the, our free kicks are are poor. Oh, less, you know, less, and and you could, and that's for I think I've said that every every single week. Um, and it, it's something that we we really we we've sorted ourselves out defensively from corners and free kicks, um, but we don't seem to have attacking free kicks in corners that we can pull out the bag. But I thought they did well. Scotty is uh, I thought he had a, a decent game in the first half. 
little bit anonymous in the second half. And he really does need to, as well as showing promise, he really does need to add uh, goals and assists to his game. Mm. Uh, but look, I mean, at the moment, I'd, I'd have, you'd have to play Wells down the middle. We haven't got a nine, but he's the closest thing to a to a nine that we've got. I think Cornick's lightweight. Uh, he hasn't really impressed me on what I've seen of him. I think he's he's, he's got you know some nice touches, but I think when all the strikers are fit, he's going to be fourth or fifth choice. Yeah. Yeah, and we got him for two and a half years or whatever. Um, yeah. Mark, um, the, the, the back four picks itself, and we're hoping that uh, Atkinson isn't out for an extended period, but if it's as bad as what has been said, and they haven't done scans yet, although as Ian would say, when you have a scan at City, that means you're out for weeks, not uh, months, not uh, a couple of weeks. But I've not been his greatest fan, but I thought Callas came in, had a good game. And it was interesting that maybe most of the time that Callas has been here. Viner has been the understudy, but Viner has grown so much and is so assured in his own game. A couple of loose moments today, but nothing major. That Callas got on with his game. What did you think of Callas's performance, Mark? I think he made some fantastic headers at the end, intercepted some balls. I think what we lacked, you know, swapping in for Atkinson was that ability to carry the ball forward. And there are probably a, a too, too many long passes where we wanted to probably either drive through or, and you know, and open and open the play up where where Rob's winning free kicks, uh, and he won he won some you know won some early on. He just I think you know uh, Thomas will will have to take on that role. I mean, Zach could do that, and Zach's an excellent passer. But you know, we were we were playing along a bit a bit too much uh, today. And the second half, we didn't play as as well uh, through the phases um, until probably right right at the end uh, when we when we won that penalty. The last five minutes, uh, Sunderland seems it seemed to fade a little bit, and uh, that really surprised mm. me because I thought the game was really drifting away from us. Um, but um, yeah, I thought Tom Thomas did well. Um, he did well. It's yeah. a shame because the back four have been excellent. Uh, this eleven-game unbeaten run has been built on the strength of that back four. The familiarity, no, right. the familiarity, and I think today we did probably didn't stop the ball getting in the box. But I mean, they play a bit like us. They play the ball on the floor, uh, look to get you know the ball the ball in, into those wide positions. But they don't just kick the ball aimlessly into the box. They they try and they try and play they play triangles and try and create openings. And they they had a few shots in the second half. And it hadn't, if it hadn't been for Max. Then we wouldn't be talking well, about we'll get that into, excellent point. We'll get, yeah, we we'll get yeah. into the detail of the action. And I'd written down, yeah, it was quite a quiet opening. And then after a quarter of an hour, we had uh, Atkinson going off. But uh, Chris, on 19 minutes, City should have taken the lead, and it was, you know, it was an excellent, an excellent build-up involving Bell, Sykes, and uh, Mometti. Yeah, that was a bit of great interplay between the guys that have been selected to lead the line, wasn't it? And a good a good shot by the Albanian. Yeah, I thought he did great. I, I really did. He made he made a nice angle. Um, shame he couldn't finish it off. But yeah, it was a nice interplay, nice back heel into his path. Um, Sykes, again, seems to have that awareness where his teammates are that some of the other players don't seem to have at the moment. Um, yeah, he seems to... You know, do the unexpected, and Mometi for me just needed to finish it off. It was just a, a bit disappointing, but you've got to give um, the keeper, you know, credit. Um, it was a, you know, and then he had the opportunity almost from the corner, which resulted from um, from that save, so or that block. So, um, yeah, I I thought uh, it was a, it was an exciting opening from City, and they certainly let Sunderland know that they were in a game. Yeah, what did you what did you think of uh, that move? I mean, it it was worthy of a goal, Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, cer- it certainly was. But uh, like Chris says, a great save from Patterson because it banks just in front of him, and he, he got a, a decent strong paw on it. He could only turn it onto the post, and you know, if it had been three inches the other side of the post, it hit the post and gone in. Um, but it didn't. And in fairness, Max made two absolute worldy saves. In the um, in in the second half, he had absolutely no chance with the goal. So, you know, you have on that occasion, you have to say great move, but well done to the keeper. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but as soon as the ball hit the post, I was expecting it to creep into the other post. Yeah. You know, that one yeah. goes along the line and hits the other post. I, I thought exactly the it's, same thing as well, know. Chris. I thought, be, and yeah, it would have been great if that had crept in <laughs> yeah. like that. What, what, I, what I like to, to go in the other corner. Yeah, what I liked about it, Messi actually won the ball originally on the left-hand side and played it across to Bell, and Bell to Sykes, that lovely back heel. But yeah, I mean, he just he wanted to, to get a bit more, more curl on the ball, so when it came back, it was right in the corner, but the keeper got a very good hand to it. But yeah, it was agonising, wasn't it? It's the, mm. When it hits the inside of the post, you expect it. I thought, oh, it's in, and then it was out again. But the follow-up, uh, I mean, from the corner... Um, I mean, I think the, uh, Scott keeps the ball alive. Mimeti's got the ball. Scott keeps the ball alive. Then Pring almost falls on the ball, sticks out a leg to Mimeti, but there's just too many players there. But after that, it, he he looked up at the City fans and he was riding them up. It was great. You know, he's he's really gone to the fans' he's, hearts he's already. He's loving his time at Bristol City. He loves it. Yeah. He's really, yeah. he's really loved And he's, he's only really been his time here already. Weeks. And you can tell. Yeah, he's only been here a few weeks. Yeah. I think yeah. they got a song for him as well. I couldn't hear what it was, but they got a song. I oh, think. I'm sure we'll hear that. I'm sure we'll hear that at, uh, at, at the next home game or something. Uh, somebody said about a uh, good tackle that Cam Pring did, uh, racing back his 50th uh, start or 50th appearance. I don't know whether it's a start or an appearance, but uh, starting appearance. But uh, Max had to come off his line uh, once to clear uh, when uh, Diallo looked dangerous. And then... Uh, Clark was in the clear after one of those passes went straight straight through the city uh, midfield before Gelhart knocked it uh, wide. I mean, they sort of did carve out a few openings, uh, Ian, didn't they? Yes, in that yeah, first I think, half. I think we were we were the better team um, in the first half. We were a better team in, up until they scored in the second, and then we had a period of about ten minutes when we were under the cosh. Uh, uh, a lot because we couldn't pass the ball properly forward, so we couldn't. We struggled to get out. But as soon as we got a, a grip and a hold, uh, I think every time we attack them with what I call a meaningful attack, like the one with with the passes to Mametti and the rest of it, I actually think they struggled. They were they were a bit scared of us because of the pace, and that's the way that we have to play if we're going to play three smaller, quicker players up front, we cannot be lumping the damn thing. Mm. You know, because it's meat, meat and drink for any any centre-half, and they had a couple of big lads at the back. Well, it's the same as us. Where does Thomas Callas want the ball? In the air, because he'll win that. He, what he doesn't want is some nippy bloke like Clark running at him. And, and that's the thing, and I think that's an area of the game where Alex Scott needs to do a lot more. He needs to make these runs at the box and get himself in the box because then we will get penalties or they'll be so frightened to tackle him, tackle him, he'll set something up. But at the moment, he, he's not, for me, he's just not really doing it in the final third for a player of his capability. And no one's doubting, so it, no one's doubting his ability. I'm just saying it's in terms of delivery. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, I was about to interrupt. I do apologise. But just, just very quickly, we had a, an obviously a really good team five years ago where the centre-halves were OK and they were proficient on the ball, but they weren't brilliant. But what you had is someone like Marlon Pack who came deep to get the ball to feet and then passed yeah. the ball from there. I feel that's the position that we're lacking at the moment. For me, um, Joe Williams hasn't... I thought Joe Williams did quite well today. I, I thought he, out of the three, I thought he was the most influential. Um, yeah. But neither, neither of them, neither him or James tend to get the ball from the centre-halves and pass the ball out when they're under a bit of pressure. And we've, we've obviously Atkinson not able to bring the ball out because he was off the pitch through the lines. I think we seem to knock the ball a lot longer, especially with Callas' um, distribution not being as good as Atkinson's. Um, I think that's the position that we need to work on. I mean, I, I know Alex Scott tends to influence the game further up the field, so he's at the top of the diamond. But for me, we need someone closer to the centre-halves to rotate that ball in a little triangle and then to pass the ball through the through And the Chris, line. isn't that really the isn't that, isn't that what... Um, isn't that what Cal Naismith... Cal Naismith was fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he yeah. provides that, you know, and I don't want to see Cal Naismith in the back four uh, if 
Atkinson's out and when Cal Nason is back because, you know, we all know that contributed to too many goals conceded. Mark, moving on to one incident in the uh, first half, uh, the Sykes penalty that wasn't, or was it? And somebody said, oh, it was a bit soft. We'd have not thought much of that if it had been given uh, given against us. And I said, what? In the I, I tweeted back and I said, what, you mean like the one that we had awarded against us uh, up at Hull on, uh, I think, second game of the season but uh, Mark for you was that was that a pen when Sykes went down? Uh, would have been a soft one I think um, Messi wins the ball on the left channel again how many times did we say that in the first half plays it to Sykes into the left side of the area and I think it was Neil the midfielder just stood his ground and he bounced off him I mean the uh, the commentator well, was adamant wasn't he screaming down the uh, the line that it was a penalty but did he not yeah, make it? On, on, I, I don't know I mean, he, he just seemed to bounce off him. I, I mean, he was running in, into traffic. I don't think he could have got a shot away. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, he, I, I've it, seen, I don't think it was. It I was going yeah, to ask it was, him. It was, it was, yeah. He jumped into him. What do you expect the kid to do? Disappear? Yeah. No, I mean, he just he just turned. He just he just stood his ground and, and turned. Uh, he wasn't. He didn't stick his arm out or his leg out or anything. I think he, we'd have been upset if that had been given against us. Yeah. So well, we yeah, have probably we have not had a given against us like that, haven't we? Well, well, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it depends you know, on the day. Depends which that, way the wind's blowing, doesn't it? And the rain's falling. That was shown the teams that have been in the championship as long as us. How many penalties they've had compared to us and there we are well we were eight now we're nine but the next club after us is something like about uh you know it's got about 19 over the same period that's club well that well rackle well stirred this week uh, uh david and she was in that film one million years bc which obviously felt as long as uh it had gone by since our last penalty that's uh, yeah, that yeah. sort of rang a bell i think you should you, get yeah. i think you should get a job in a comedy club mark you really can't no i don't don't, don't no i don't don't chris is going to say something if you've, you've played at the back uh <laughs> if that penalty had been awarded against you would you have Thought right. well, you win some, you lose some. Or, okay, what on, did you think? on free grounds, on free grounds, if it was against me as an individual, I'd have been livid. Um, had it been against my Bristol City team, I would have been disappointed. But knowing the run we're on, I didn't. It didn't even bat an eyelid. I just thought we're never getting penalties at the moment. Um, just get on with it, play on, because we're just not getting the referee's decisions. And um, it was just good that we, we didn't have long to wait. It was only 45 minutes rather than 469 days. Um, so, yeah, it, I, do you know what? I, I, don't, I haven't tried to get consumed by it because it just gets ever, in, ever more frustrating. Um, but I, I just thought he, he kind of nutmegged him. He stood his ground. He bounced off him. It's one of those that you probably give on the halfway line, but you're not giving in the 18-yard box. No, no. Um, start of the second half, uh, Ian. I mean, Mimetti was in it again. He got right to the byline, crossed the ball, nobody there. Then uh, he uh, set up Tanner, who uh, got in uh, across, I think it was. Uh, and then Bell and Sykes combined, but, you know, no one there as the ball was played across. You said, didn't you, Ian, the last third, we need to be a little bit more canny back there or up there, don't we, really? And those were three examples early in that uh, second period when, uh, you know, we should have done better, yes? they. What we need to do, we, we need more composure in the final third on our final ball and we need to get more players in the box. And um, the, the, uh, the, the bit of the game, if, if you want to see, well, what do we need to improve on, you look at the Sunderland goal because that started, I think it was Sykes in our penalty area who decided that rather go on and take a shot, he crossed to no one. Yeah, that's right. They they picked up the ball, played it into midfield, played it through defence, got it out to Clark. Now, for some reason, there was absolutely no cover inside George Tanner. And whilst he should have showed Clark onto his left foot, because for some reason, we kept showing him inside onto his better foot all day. Mm. Don't ask me why. Um, perhaps he was so good that we couldn't stop him doing it. But I, he came inside. Now, I haven't had a look at, the, look at the goal back on YouTube, so I don't know where Zach was. But you'd expect if he was coming inside that he'd be running into traffic. And he, he just came inside uh, Tanner, and no one was close enough to block the shot. And fair play to the kid. It was a smashing finish. But that, if, if you said, well, what do we need to do better? If you watch that two-minute clip, 
that's what we need to do better. Yeah, Ian, it's interesting you say about uh, where was Zach because somebody else put on there that Zach was too far forward, and we all know Zach of old, yeah, he has those moments in matches where he just loses it a little bit. And just prior to that, he'd done a loose pass. I think pass. looking back, Dave, I think he was actually fouled. He was appealing was for a, a foul to the linesman. Somebody okay. bumped him over. But I just think prior to that, he'd done a loose pass in the middle that uh, Mishu latched onto or ended up putting the ball just wide of uh, the target. I mean, um, Mark, the, the lad Clark, his eighth goal of the season, it was a good finish. But do you think Tanner should have done a little bit better there? Yeah, possibly. He's got a lot of work to do when he receives the ball and right in the left side of the penalty area. He's right on the corner of the 18-yard box. There's a line of City defenders, although they've just run back because they were they were out of the game. I think Callas was higher than Viner and they run back. But there is that space. But you know he's right-footed, playing on the left side. So what, you know, try and push him out to, 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 the, to the left to slow up the play, then get the defenders back in position. But he doesn't. He's able to run run across, creating that space, and a finish is, is a fantastic finish. He hits, it with, he hits the ball with pace. Max has got no chance. No, no chance of saving that. Chris, you've played in that position. Yeah, that was, I'd say, probably your, your main position back there. How, how is it body position? Or, you know, could you see yourself handling it differently to what um, George did back there? As soon as he picked up the ball, I thought, here we go. You know, George has got to send him down the line. You've got to almost exaggerate your your position to do so. Um, and as soon as he let him inside, I thought, here we go, because there was no one else really in the box. So if you even show him down the line and he manages to get a cross in, you know there's enough defenders in there to clear the ball. Mm. But, um, yeah, he should have over-exaggerated it. It was ironic because after the goal... There was always, A, there was always cover there, but B, they always showed him down the line and he didn't really get the opportunity again to come inside. And if they did, there was always men on his inside. And it was the only it was the only time I thought that George Tanner was isolated on his own one-on-one. Mm. And as you probably just said, Zach was just trying to get across, but was probably about two or three yards, maybe about two or three metres actually, from getting just enough, uh, just across enough to block the shot. But before Zach managed to get across, it was in the back of the net and it was an amazing finish. You know, it was one of those if you were sat behind it and you're a Sutherland fan, you're off your seat before it left his foot because um, it's, it, went straight in, it went straight in that postage stamp, didn't it? And uh, Max O'Leary had no chance. No, no chance with that. Ian, uh, substitution started happening uh, with abundance and uh, Pritchard and 09 came on for them. You said, uh, if I recall correctly, that Pritchard had dictated the middle of the park for them. He was a player, I think, when he was at Huddersfield that we were linked with, yeah? And then we did yeah. our substitutions a few moments after that with uh, Tanama, Metti and Bell going off to be replaced by Vyman, Cornick and Wells. I mean, Pritchard, good player, yeah? Um, but, you know, he wasn't allowed to dictate or he didn't dictate like he did at Ashton Gate on the opening day of the season, did he, quite so much? No, but the big the big miss for them when they beat us at Ashton Gate, they had two big lads up front, their own Ross Stewart and Ellis Sims, who was on loan from Everton, and they they were the difference because Pritchard had someone to hit with his free kicks. Also, we were defending appallingly, and and Naismith was having a bit of a mare um, in the back three. So it it does show the progress we made since then. But they've lost Stewart for the season. Ellis Sims has gone back to Everton and they're now playing with smaller players up front. So they have to play in a similar way to us. Um, because, you know, let's be honest, if you haven't got a nine, you haven't got a nine. And if, if Ross Stewart was available, he, he'd be starting every game for them because he's a, he's a good player. I, I, I think they'd be very lucky to hang on to yeah. him in the close season. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, you know, Sorry, Mark. David. But again, yeah, go on, Chris. Sorry. Jump in. Yeah. Sorry, I, I read an article. You know, just after the transfer deadline shut, and the, apparently the Sunderland fans were up in arms because they didn't manage to get a centre forward. But I, I just watched them and the way they play, and the way they knocked the ball about when they were on when they had that sort of purple patch after they scored. Some of the little triangles and some of the shapes that they they chuck in. They look really, really sharp, but they don't have a focal point up up front. And that might be the difference between them getting in the top six or not. Um, but yeah, they look a really dangerous team and a good team. And they've come straight up from the league below and they've got confidence in their 
in the club and they want got a bit of momentum. Um, it reminds me a little bit of how we came up from the division below and we went on a, a couple of years where we just missed the playoffs and getting into the Premier Division. But they got some smashing yeah. players. And as I said, I'm just chuffed to bits. We went toe to toe toe with them today because we just showed how and we how, got something. Well, we're, and we got something. Well, no, we got something. Yeah, and game. we're maturing as well. We're in, I mean, I mean, like guys, you you must you must feel the same way as me. I'm I'm just so so pleased to actually be talking positively about the team I I love to watch rather than getting so disappointed on a Saturday evening after watching absolute rubbish. <laughs> no, it does make a change. It does make a change. Mark, you commented uh, about the save that uh, a couple of saves that uh, Zach did, and uh, his save of the game was on the seventy seventh minute from uh, Roberts. It was one of those in- uh, instinctive, is that the word, where he got down very quickly in the style of uh, Dan Bentley, but I think we should say now in the style of uh, Max O'Leary. And then there was another long range effort that he did cannon off his chest, but uh, that was that was a cracking save that he did from Roberts, wasn't it? Yeah, we failed to clear the ball. I think um, Cam, unfortunately, gave the ball back to him. It, he hit the ball from behind him, so it had a bit of whip, but he saved it down near his near post fantastically. And the second one, which was more of a bit of a reacher, but it did really change direction. So he had to he batted it away, mm. uh, you know, with the power of a, of, a, of, a, of a professional volleyball player, the strength of you know his hand on it. Uh, on the ground, so uh, yeah, two 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 good saves there by by Max that kept us in the game, uh, because you know you're playing in front of. I mean, they they're averaging at about thirty eight thousand. There are thirty eight thousand five hundred and seventy six there today. I thought Our it was thirty eight thousand six hundred eighty five. Well, something like that. Well, something like that. Something like that. Thirty eight. Thirty eight thousand. Just under forty thousand. Fantastic ground. We could have wilted. Uh, and we because, didn't. And, you know, Sunderland threatened to overwhelm us and their changes they made, uh, midfielders uh, with Equa and, 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 and uh, Pritchard coming on. I mean, they got that Michu from Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, you know, they look they look really good. They just miss they miss a, a, a central striker. I read that Gelhart, he hasn't scored for 30 games. He, I mean, they took him off. He looked a little bit lost. I think he had one shot on goal where he he tried. I think he got ahead of Pring and just he flicked it wide of the post. But he never really looked in, looked in the game at all. No, so no. I think that could be yeah, that could be the difference between them uh, getting a top six top six place. But yeah, lots of mental strength there. Defended well at the end, and that that was what gave us the platform to move right. on to. Well, I'm, foreshad- to I'm, foresha- I'm foreshadowing the next bit. <laughs> Right, I'm going to get each. Okay, of you to the charge describe, of the light brigade. You watch that again. Each of you describe <laughs> the goal because the seconds are ticking away. It's five minutes of injury time. I think we're into the 92nd minute. Ian, take us through the goal as you sort of a penalty and the build up. Activity on the left hand side between uh, James Pring, De Silva. De Silva pokes the ball around the guy and keeps going. Um, so there was a little bit of wrestling outside the box and the referee could have bottled it and given a free kick there, but he let play go on. De Silva got in the box and the, and the guys rugby tackled him. Um, so there was the penalty. Um, if it had been my choice, I'd have had Naki to take it, to be honest, even though he has missed a couple for us. Um, one being an attempted Penenka, they hit the bar, I think. Um <laughs> But it was a it was a great penalty and and it was it was nothing more than we deserved and at the end, as I said, a bit more composure, a bit of a be- better cross from Naki, and we could have won it. Yeah, we'd got it, Chris. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, we've waited a long time for it. I mean, Jay done well, didn't he? Considering his future's probably not the club, but he showed battling qualities to get in there. What did you think? Yeah, he did absolutely brilliant, didn't he? He um, he just nudged the ball around the fullback. Got around the opposite side. Um, I actually, at first, I don't think he realised he he was going to get on the end of it. He almost poked it, whether it was with his right foot um, or his left foot, his good foot. But he seemed to knock it into a space and all of a sudden realised he was going to be able to get the other side of the defender because he had overcommitted himself. And then the guy on his turn um, almost fell down the back of Jay. He, he kind of started at short, short height or waist height. And then ended up clipping his heels, and Jay obviously went down, and it was an obvious penalty. 
But even then, I didn't get excited because I thought, you know what, we're Bristol City. We don't get we don't get them. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we obviously the referee gave the decision, and um, I could see Sykes going for the ball. And uh, apparently, from what I, I I've listened to the radio commentary, which uh, Nigel Pearson's given after the game. It was it was a little bit of psychology. Uh, Sykes went to grab the ball. He took all the stick from the goalkeeper. Some of the delay tactics. Some of the other players pretended they had cramped just by the penalty spot. Whilst Naki Wales stayed well away, and then once once Sunderland stopped all their play acting and all their you know time wasting, Naki Wales took the ball, positioned it lovely and uh, on the penalty spot and just dispatched it really well in that bottom left. I mean, if you watch the replays, um, I think one of the Sunderland lads has got his hands on his head because he thought the goalkeeper had gone the right way and saved it. So, yeah, it was a good job. It was right in the corner and it was hit as hard as he did. Because no, he, nerves, he of, had, nerves of steel. Nerves of steel. Absolutely. Chris, yeah, have, you ever, have you ever taken a penalty in a penalty shootout at all? Oh, I think, I think you've... Have I prompted you to say that? Or no. Just, no, I was just really? thinking because what is it... What do you... Is it, because you can practice penalties all you like yeah but you know what 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 goes through do you, do you well tell well, us what goes I, through your head I, I thought i thought i'd um i thought i'd sent you a text to ask me that question i scored <laughs> the um i scored the winning penalty in the scottish cup semi-final against joe jordan's heart um which went to um extra time so uh yeah it's a, a nerve-wracking moment your legs go to jelly your head goes to mashed potato and um you can't really feel your toes when you're really under pressure so you just hit and hope and just hope all the training and all the practice you've been doing since you're a young kid just comes to fruition really um, did you blast was, it did you blast it is that i did i did a side foot that i i had done when i was 16 or 17 year old year old playing for bristol city in a tournament in paris um in a similar shootout circumstances i had i just i went back sort of eight or nine years to when i was a young kid in in red and white playing in paris for bristol city and just re- try to replicate it at Hamden Stadium, and it was the one that hit the back of the net and won the uh, and won a, a place. So you in the vision final. in your head because they talk about it's all in sight. You vision that moment from about eight years, eight years yeah. previous, sort of thing. Yeah? Absolutely, and that's all I did. And um, I don't know why I was taking the fourth or fifth penalty to win win it because perhaps I was hoping that the you know the whole or you know the, it was already over and I wouldn't have to take one. I don't know, but. I, I do remember actually wanting to take the fourth one because that was the position I'd gone when I'd been playing in Paris. So I thought, well, it's either going to be the winning one or it's going to be the, one of the important ones. So just keep your nerve and try to just try to do the right thing and bury the ball yeah. and just practice on good contact. And Naki Wells certainly did that. I mean, I thought that was a it was a brilliant penalty. And uh, yeah, I think I was jumping around my front room by then and um, knocked over my cup of tea and everything. No, it was it, it was brilliant, um, Mark. Um, you know, we we we've we've now got what is it? Fifteen games to go. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Or is, no, it's fourteen, isn't 14. it? Fourteen. Uh, no. I said when there was sixteen to go, it, ten two four was going to get us in the playoffs, and now it's ten naught four. I mean, let's just banish any thoughts of the playoffs. Right. Well, you keep bringing it up. I know, I know, I do, and I just, I just it's sort of like it's, it's a bit of sadomasochism there, you know. I, try, yeah. I try and torment don't myself. mention it. Don't mention the war. Yeah. But I try and torment myself about it. But you know, it's, it's, a top is it because 10 you finish, think we've got a chance, David? Do you think? Well, I, yeah, I reckon. I, I do you know what, Chris? To, I think he does. I was I trying to. I think you said to me. You, you were saying, Ian, that we still got a, you know, we still got a chance, but what, not, what I said was about. Two or three months ago, I said this season would be our best chance of making the playoffs because it's a very average division. And next season, with the teams that look like they're coming down and the, ones and the that teams are that are coming up, mm. that championship is going to be a ridiculous division next season. So this is our best chance. Now, I don't think I've ever said yeah, we can make the playoffs because I've always been talking about let's get the 53 points and safety and make sure we're in the championship. At worst, make sure we're in the championship next season and then we'll start looking up. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm saying, I'll add a film, don't look up because it's going to be extremely difficult to get those points. And to be honest, without winning the lot 
Um, you know, from where we are, 41 points. And we've got, what, 42 to play for? Yeah. Well, no, um, I, 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 you, I was basing need, all well, my hang estimates. Hang on, hang on. You need, I think, a minimum of about 73 points to make the playoffs. And, and, and the runner results you'd have to do for that are exceptionally difficult. Yeah. So, no, I don't, I, I'm still saying let's get the 53 points and then we'll start looking up and we can, you know, uh, we, we, you never know, we might progress in the FA Cup. Who knows? So, yeah, I just want to say, I think then. I, I was basing all my thoughts on entertaining the idea of sixth because that's all there is to play for I think for for a club like us and that was on the basis of 71 points which is why I was saying 10 to 4 when we had 39 now we got 41 so you know we can we can only afford to lose four and we can't afford to draw any yeah so it's real it's not realistic I hear what you're well, saying first, about getting to let me finish let me finish let me Go finish on, 53 points, absolutely right. And, you know, you could say, well, we may not get there. I think we will now. But I think now I'm setting the goal of a top 10 finish, you know, with a half decent maintaining of the form that we've got and everybody would be happy. And that would act as a boost for season ticket sales for next season if we finish on a high. Because most of the last five years or so, the second half of the season, as being a bit of a damp squib. All right, there's a couple of things I want to talk about before we talk about that. Um, Mark, very quickly, they had 38,700 there. What a great deal of atmosphere. And our fans, all 1,200 of them, and God, did they have some travel problems getting out there. We seem to be making most of the noise throughout the 90 minutes, other than when we scored, didn't, didn't, other than when they scored, didn't we? Yeah, and there was an audible gasp, wasn't there, when the ball went in, in for the penalty? I thought that was that was great. You know, you can't buy buy a sound like that. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't like a, I mean, there used to be the Roker Roar, didn't there, when they played at Roker right. Park mm. all those years ago? It, I mean, sometimes new grounds take something away from the atmosphere because it, you just doesn't hold it in, does it? Um, but yeah, you think they would be a little bit noisier. Um, usually, um, the audio picks picks that up on the. Uh, on on the match commentary, but I mean to to to, to play in a, a in a in a in a stadium like that with such a big crowd, I think the fact that I mean our fans were I think in the top tier behind one of the goals, yeah, weren't they? Up in so the they goals. were as far away from you know from the the, uh, the pitch as possible. Uh, so you know they, they they were certainly rewarded by I think twelve hundred went up today. Yeah, uh, in awful and flights conditions. were cancelled yesterday, and train yeah, journeys poured pouring down with rain. It, so it well looked, done them, well done. Yeah, them. fantastic. They, yeah, they, and, and they got what they and they got what they deserved because it would have been a long way to come back. Chris, I mean, you know, did you expect it to be a bit more of a cauldron up there because they're on a good run of form, convincing win for them in midweek at uh, Loftus Road down at QPR? But they, they, you know, because we started so well. It took the heat out of it, I thought. And I said to Ian uh, on Friday, I said, oh, God, I hope we don't go behind to an early goal because if we do, we'll wilt. And I think we've got more than that about us now, as all four of us have said uh, this evening. But did you expect a little bit more from the crowd to egg their team on? I did, actually. I expected a lot more, especially when, you know, you're expecting 38,000 there. You're expecting a real kind of atmosphere. They're on an amazing run. Um you know, they, they've gone win, draw, win, win, draw. Um, yeah, they're looking they're looking to sort of consolidate their position in the league. They were fifth or sixth before the game. Um, and, and the local people up there get right behind their team usually. But Bristol yeah. City started so well, you know, that it took the sting out of the crowd. I think the crowd got a little bit nervy, a little bit despondent. We've all been there when yeah. we're looking at our team trying to get into the playoffs and they probably see... Um, how the pressure just builds on them. You know, sometimes a crowd can work for you, but it can also work against you if you're not firing on all cylinders or a team comes like Bristol City who are on a, a rich vein of form and who managed to keep the ball really well in the in the opening, um, opening 15, 20 minutes. So, yeah, we knocked a little bit of the stuffing out of, out of them by playing so well. I just think um, going back to whether we can make the playoffs, I've just looked at the at the form charts and... Middlesbrough have obviously gone five wins on the trot um, and we've got sort of eight points to get into sixth place behind Millwall. 
the biggest problem for me is I look at some of those teams who are there or thereabouts at the moment, and we're equally as good as any of them at the moment. That's mm. that's the honest truth. We've we I mean Norwich are in ninth and they're a decent team. They're only five points ahead of us. Watford, um, Blackburn, who we again we we played very well against recently. Millwall, who are in sixth, who we drew at, um, at the Den um, against recently. It's just so disappointing again that we. Well, we had that our... bad October, November, Chris, didn't we? If we'd exactly. have just had, if exactly. we'd have just had mediocre, mediocre form in that period, we'd have been okay. All right, Ian, I want to come on to you next because a couple of people have asked when we said on the podcast about Steve Lansdowne was doing a talk, and we were, as we are, both in uh, senior reds. Uh, I tweeted uh, or no, I put somebody's reply on OTIB. I said. Can't no doubt about Steve Lansdowne's commitment to the club going forward, basically on what was said. But I mean, what, what, you know, in summary, what did you glean from what uh, Steve Lansdowne said at the um, at the senior Reds on Thursday? It was a lunch in front of about I don't know two hundred people, all over sixty, which includes us, obviously. <laughs> well, my my take um, on Steve on on Steve is that. He's very committed to the club. <clears throat> he was asked if he'd sell the ground as part of a deal. Um, he said, maybe. Uh, it depends on the deal. As I've said before, I still can't see anybody wanting to buy the club in the championship with the amount of debt that it has. But, you know, I've been wrong before. Um, I wouldn't actually I'd be very, very careful um, what I wish for. Because an owner could come in and anybody coming in would probably want to buy the infrastructure uh, and that's going to cost them a lot of money. Then they've got to spend an awful lot of money, even if Steve Lansdowne forgave all the debt to him, which is about £100 million. But But my main, main take was that him and Nigel have got a um, mutual respect for each other, Yeah. but it's not the kind of friendship that he's got with the Johnsons, which I no. think is good. Uh, they're both blokes who will speak their mind. Um, and I think Pearson does in, in to the extent that he thinks he thinks he has to have a row uh, with the owners. Uh, it was said in quite a lighthearted way. He also said his record wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but what he liked was the way that the, the, the dressing room was behind him. Um and, and that may intimate that, that other people, uh, that the dressing room wasn't behind uh, other managers. But he he said that he wouldn't have... In, in, I asked him if, in hindsight, um, where did he think it had gone wrong? Because he's put in an awful lot of money in clubs that haven't put in as much, or even what you might call smaller teams, for example, Bournemouth, have sailed past us. Yeah. And apart from some pretty specific examples, uh, he, he couldn't say. He didn't look around and say, well, this should have happened, Lee Johnson should have got us up, Gary Johnson should have got us up. He didn't. Yeah. Well, he said well, the closest we've come, he did, didn't he? It was back to 2008, you know, and he said it all went well, wrong. Well, no, he actually the... said that we should have gone up the season that, um, Lee was there, I and mean, it all blew up yeah. after that Wolves game. But the closest we've got, in fairness, closest, yeah, not the manager that that I've got any particular fondness for. But Ga- but Gary Johnson got us to within one game of the yeah. Premier League, and he, and he picked out incidents like Aiden Flint getting ill, and um, no, Jamie McComb getting ill. Aiden Flint, won sorry, Jamie, Jamie McComb getting ill. And and various other things. Bradley Orr's Bradley Orr's Brad- fractured cheekbone. Yeah. Bradley yeah, all you, at Wembley, absolutely. That, I mean, yeah, it's, you, it's, it, the margins are so narrow, aren't they? Well, they are. And um, in answer to Tomo, who's saying was Nigel at the dinner, no, he wasn't. Um, and he's been invited two or three times, and he, he hasn't turned up for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, but in fairness, he answered all the questions. I, I asked him before the meeting. I had about ten minutes with him before the meeting, talking to him. And I said, look. Can I just ask you about financial fair play? Because Richard Gould was very um, careful to say, we're not going to get a points deduction this season. So I said to him, well, how about 23-24 and 24-25 then? Is, is that 
is there going to be a problem? And he said, no. He said, I don't think. I said, well, even if we don't sell big. And he said, no, I don't think so. But no one can actually tell you because the EFL haven't made their mind up their rules. All right. It's such a, so it's such a great it's like, area. It's never going to happen, bit, is it? Well, it's like dealing with, uh, I, I've had it in the past where I've dealt with the health and safety executive in, in work. And they won't tell you if something's compliant, but they'll tell you if you get it wrong. So they won't offer advice on, yeah, well, we'll approve that, but but we won't approve this, but we'll tell you when you're not compliant. And that really doesn't help. But as far as, and he, he seemed quite relaxed about it, as far as Steve uh, is concerned, no, we we, he, we won't have a problem, even if if we don't sell big, which, yeah. you know, put, put my okay. mind at rest, to be honest. Okay. Um, I just got a um, couple of other things that he said very briefly. All people say, oh, I bet we own three or four of the houses behind uh, the Atio stand and we could buy the rest and what have you, redevelop the ground. What Steve did say, he said, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, we only own one of the houses behind the Atio stand. There yeah. are no plans to develop that end of the ground, although a feasibility study was looked at some years ago, which I think most people know this anyway, was going to fill in the corners and maybe you could alter the rake of the Atio stand. But I think did he say you could raise the capacity to 38,000 without impinging on the houses okay. behind? Wasn't Is that it, correct? I think it was something, something like 32, 34, David. 34, maybe, yeah, 34. That's that the other number. That, that's, the other number the that, that's the other number that um, uh, it, it comes into my mind now, you know, just to pick up on the person who said on OTIB that I was always factually incorrect. <laughs> that's what I think of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Um, and then the other thing he said as well, people were asked about the sporting quarter and he said, well, we've got the planning permission, but then there's all the other stuff to get through. And again, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he said the first sod could probably be dug on the site in the autumn. Yes, is that pretty much what he said? Well, what he's got for the basketball stadium, etc., is planning permission. But yeah. he said he gets, uh, he says it's probably better than I'm out of the way that I don't go to these meetings because I, I, I could just scream. Or words to that effect, because um, he gets annoyed after, with the council. Yeah, yeah. After you get planning, you've got to jump through all these other loopholes with various people before you can actually um, start. You know, go on the go on the site with a shovel. So, um, I think I think you'll do it. I think you'll do that. You'll do the hotel and car parking or, or whatever. The hotel is one of the first things that will go up, won't it? Yeah. Well, it could be. I mean, yeah. the, the the basketball um, stadium, or or I don't know what they call they call it something else, arena. don't they? But arena uh, that looks like it's going to be a goer. And obviously, with being indoors, you can do other stuff there, like uh, smaller smaller concerts. You can do a comedy club. And you, there's all sorts you can do. Um, yeah, and conferences, he said as well. Okay, yeah. Chris. Chris, let me ask you this. Um, Steve has said he'll sell, and we've said in the past, well, could you buy the football club and then become a tenant at the ground, and Steve keeps all the infrastructure. But let me ask you this, right? This guy um, who's bidding for uh, Jim Ratcliffe, he's bidding yes. for Man United. Now, Jim Ratcliffe's worth, I think, three times as much as uh, Steve Lansdowne, I think, yeah? But he's competing to bid for arguably one of the wealthiest clubs, top five wealthiest clubs in the world in Man United, right? He's bidding against the Qataris, right? He ain't going to win that one. Well, he's if not, you're... they're not wealthy, Dave. Are they're they? heavily in debt, Man United. Yeah, and I, but the Qataris who want to buy them, right? If Ratcliffe's trying to buy them, he Man can't United, do it. He, he, wants to, he wants to buy Man United, and it was said, I heard it said on one media report today that do it in a not sustainable way, but a model ownership. But let me ask Chris a question and then Mark and you the same question. If you're if you're Ratcliffe and you fail to get Man United and you've got Foot Bristol City Football Club, right, you could achieve and be you could achieve a lot more with Bristol City Football Club than, you know, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? We're in the championship at the moment. He's got the money. You could buy your way to the Premier League, right? You're never going to win. You're never going to win the Premier League, but you could get us into the Premier League and be seen as a savior and loved and everything like that. Whereas if you're buying Man United, 
you're still going to be out there competing with four or five clubs. If you're fifth behind Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea, maybe not good examples, you've had failure. Whereas with Bristol City, if you took them up into the Premier League, yeah, and it wouldn't cost you three billion quid to do it, would it, Chris? Yeah, so we've got to be on somebody like his radar if he fails to get that, haven't we? I think we're on a lot of people's radars. And um, I've heard uh, a few friends um, talk about buying football clubs in conversations. Uh, and, and people, this is people with lots of money um, because Bristol City is the seventh or sixth or seventh largest city in, in, in England. Um, we've also got almost over a million people that live in the greater Bristol area. Um, it must be an attractive offer to someone. Um, but as a purist and as a Bristolian, I would love it to be through Lansdowne. I, I yeah. would love it. I would. That's a I very good point, Chris. I, I I don't want it to be state a state owned Arab country that no, has no no, affi- no no affiliation to the area, the region, to the country who just who just use us as a plaything to to benefit yeah. their own PR. I, yeah. I love the fact that Steve Lansdowne is a Bristolian. His business was here. He represents me. He represents the city. Um, he may, learn, you know, live in Guernsey and all the rest of it now, but he seems a really nice guy. He's approachable. Ian even had a conversation with this with him this week. I mean, if you've got some Qatari or whoever, um, do you think you're going to get a conversation with him? They're just going to no, be... No, it's just their front gonna, men. Absolutely. It's just their front men. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I find it really hard to criticise the guy. I think what he's trying to do is build up such a uh, an asset by um, improving the infrastructure um, that the, the club will be worth a fortune. The the actual debt isn't the issue. It's, it's it's obviously servicing the debt. And as for the planning permission, that's that's my kind of world that I live in. I mean, there's so many conditions that he has to get rid of before he starts putting a spade in the ground. Um, I, I think uh, realistically, the autumn is quite optimistic. So, um, but saying that, if he is going to build the hotel, um, they come they come almost ready-made kit form they, now aren't they modular they builds, are yeah. ready-made yeah. and they fly up so yeah it will all be planned in um it yeah. will all be planned in and could be very quick but um listen i i just i i can't i i hate it when anyone criticizes the guy so if anyone sort of i kind of squirm when i hear anyone knocking because he is a kind of a bristol philanthropist you know, he, yeah. you know, if you want to put up a, a a statue of someone in Bristol, he should be the one that we should be thinking about because he certainly helps South Bristol. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's me on my high horse no, because... I think, I, Chris, I, I think I, you're I, absolutely right, you know, because he has put so much into it and compared to others, he's spent more he, and achieved less. He doesn't have less. to do it, does he? He doesn't have to no, do it. No, he doesn't. He, could, he, he doesn't. Could, he could go and live a very nice life somewhere in, the, in Barbados it, or wherever exactly. in the world he wants mm. to be. But you know what? He puts his hard work, his his time and his money for the pleasure yeah. of Bristolian. Yeah. I and mean, because he's, even though he's remote, he's not really remote. We all know that. And as Ian oh, said, you got to be careful for what you wish for because you're absolutely. right. You know, you wouldn't want absolutely. some, we wouldn't want a Vincent Tan character, people with dodgy oh. backgrounds we, taking us where we are. But equally, you know, we do want to get to the top. Mark, just to finish with you on this and to, yes. to finish this evening's episode, you know, we, I, th- I think Chris has summed up excellently, you know, about Steve and Ian's reinforcing Steve's commitment to everything Bristol City and the wider Bristol sport. Um, it'd be great if we could do it under Steve and maybe it's cost him a lot in terms of learning, like getting the wrong people or trusting the wrong people or whatever. But uh, what are your thoughts on um, potential sale or not? I mean, it's like a like a you know a spider's web isn't it of uh, of different com- of different companies um and ultimately it's you know if whoever want to come in with it and untangling the football club from from bristol from bristol sport mm. uh and would steve want to retain an interest in in the actual uh in the freehold of, of, of the land I mean, to take to take the debt off the club, it would need somebody of Arab Arab proportion to do that. American investors don't tend to do that. They load the debt back onto the club. Look at Burnley; um, they they had a big debt when they by, by getting relegated, so they had to, all their stars had to go. And uh, company hasn't had a huge amount to spend on the players. He's doing all right though, isn't he? <laughs> he's wheeled, but he's wheeled and dealed in the transfer market. Yeah. He hasn't spent. He hasn't spent huge, huge. That loading the debt back onto the club is actually illegal. 
well, now you can't do what the Glazers did. Yeah, but uh, that's what it, that's that's what seems to happen. I mean, I think it's, Steve's been with the club a long time, and I, th- I think at the, end, at the end of the day, it's uh, the people, the, the middlemen that have been that have been uh, doing the day the day to day where there have been problems in terms of recruitment. Because I mean, even with the best with the best business mind, it doesn't automatically make you a um, a great football club owner. I mean, look at Alan Sugar; he made a bit of a pig's ear of Spurs. Lots yes, of lots of businessmen have, uh, have run into problems running football clubs. Mm. It's not it's not a, a sure thing. Okay. It, so yeah, good luck to Steve. I think he's you know comparable what he's done for for City uh, is easily comparable with the likes of Harry Dolman, and he's invested a lot more. And you know, it's got to take its toll uh the you know the it's you know it's got to be draining it's draining financially because he would have lost millions of pounds because you're not going to make make really any money club football clubs aren't aren't sustainable and of course in terms of uh of all the negativity you get as, a, as an owner because because of like chris said you know the seventh biggest city in england or the uk we're very much got a big city mentality in that we believe we should be in the top division but we know it's a lot harder than that it is but if you look at the likes of bournemouth that have got a ground with less than half our capacity it can be done yeah so, uh, but, and look uh, at them they got a, they, bournemouth got a much needed uh Bournemouth got a much-needed win today, didn't they? But there we go. Guys, and, uh, well, everybody that's listened live, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, Ian, Yeah, the the only live podcast, of course, everybody. The only live podcast, yeah. Ian, Mark and Chris, thank you for your contribution. Yeah, Chris, particularly interested to hear about your penalty against Joe Jordan's heart. Is it on Pat? Is it on Pate News? Have they still got that in Cinefilm in the museum? It must Chris? be on YouTube. If I, if I looked, if I went up to, if, if I went up to uh, to Scotland, could I could I get the librarian or somebody to get me to get me to look at that? Is it available? It's funny you should say that because my kids <laughs> never actually believed I played football ever because they Don't could they? never find anything on YouTube, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> some kid in their school actually found it and sent it to them, and they went, "Oh, you did play football then, Dad?" Because what did, no they, what did they think? You, what did they think you were playing? <laughs> oh well, my, my listen. <laughs> football was the last thing they ever think, think yeah. I ever did. That's did you also? Sure, did but... you also? Did you also tell him about the mental, the mental strain of having to bail out Gus Caesar every week as well when you were playing? I tell you what, him. that was that put that took years off my life. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Honestly, you come, but you come yeah. for it. But Chris, you come through it, and you're the better man for it. That's what yeah, I like. Absolutely. I can I say, mean, like... I can say, talking about that promotion year that Chris was involved with, eighty nine, ninety, that all being well. He, and he scored he at Swansea in that 5 0 win. He did. He did. Well, Shut up. Well, man, we're still right? looking for that one. Uh, <laughs> we're still looking for that one on YouTube. If anyone yeah. finds that, can you send yeah. it to me? Is there somewhere? somewhere? I got a feeling I might have seen that somewhere on YouTube. But I have to say that coming up in the next week or so, I hope to be doing an interview with uh, a star of the 89 90 promotion uh, team and somebody you'll know. Uh, Chris, and that's Gary Shelton. Rob, yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah, he was. He's everybody. After Jerry Gow, he's probably in every body of a certain age is uh, top three midfielders who play for Bristol City. So uh, I'm and, sure and Chris. I tell you what, and I tell you what, David, he's a lovely lad. He is a, a really, he's a lovely a guy. Really, you know, we tried to really do it over Christmas, guy, and he's so, yeah, he's, say hi he's to busy. Him for me. I will do. No, I will do. And well, maybe do you know if we're doing it and you're around, you can come on and we can talk a little bit together about it. So uh, yeah, that'd be lovely. You know, and and, and if I that. can't, and if I can't make it, just always thank him for me because he was one of those guys who, who would come up to one of the young lads at any time and just tell us what we weren't doing right in training. He, he yeah. spent a little bit of his time just explaining things and why you should do it, whilst most players are in their own little bubble. But he was so well respected by everyone. Um, yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise why he didn't get the job, you know, the manager's job when it became what was it, the free and well, it was him, it was him, Hazelwood, and Osman. And it was. Oh, what a surprise, Russell had him and Mark out the door at the earliest opportunity, didn't he? Yeah, because it was a gang of three that was just after it was, was that was yeah. that just after Dennis Smith left or that before? was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's right. Guys, again, thank you. We'll be back with our review of Hull City at home. Will we extend it to uh, 12 games unbeaten in all competitions? We'll be recording that next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And then, obviously, we will preview the big one, February the 28th at Ashton Gate, Bristol City. Mighty Bristol City against the even more mighty 
Manchester City. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution, guys and listeners. See you have a good weekend, bye-bye. David. Bye-bye. 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 Yeah, we love you all, everybody. You take care. Gonna put my cares in a whistle. Blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy. As happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bow, bow, bowing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robins are bob, bob, bobbing along. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. Red, red, brown, and stop, pop, 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 and a lot.